Welcome to the Narrators Podcast. I'm Robert Rutherford. And I'm Andrew Orvidal. This podcast collects stories that were told at the Narrators, a monthly storytelling event that features people telling true stories based on a theme. The show takes place on the third Thursday of every month at the Deer Pile in Denver, Colorado. These stories were recorded on November 21st, 2013. The theme of the evening was The Fall. Your next storyteller is a member of Bumpart Theater. He's one of the coolest dudes I know. I don't know. I, I'm trying to think. <laughs> if you don't know what Bumpart Theater is, it's, a, uh, it's one of our cultural treasures here in Denver. It's really cool. Every show I've ever seen there has been uh, incredible, and this guy's one of the uh, core members. Please welcome Brian Colonna. Good evening, everyone. Thank you. Uh, I'm having difficulty um, first learning the term clown mouth and then <laughs> like having to follow it with a story. So it's, it's a lot to process. Um, I, I like to learn new things. Uh, um, so, uh, God, now I'm going to talk about my mom, which that was a bad transition. Uh, <laughs> well, um, my mom... My mom's a little bit uh, crazy, and um, I, I, we, we fight about the term. She, she asks that I don't call her crazy because she thinks that it's a, a mean thing to say, and in many contexts it is mean, and you know there are really crazy people. And she, she is not uh, really crazy in a way that we could put her somewhere for being crazy, but she, she does things. So the context, you know, things like um, when I was in elementary school and we'd, we'd get in a, a fight and she was making my lunches. This is like during braces time. Uh, I'd go to school and I'd be eating lunch and I'd, I'd take a bite out of my sandwich and the cheese wrapper would still be on the wrapper and then it would get like caught in my braces and it would like fall and it's hard to eat in front of people at that time in your life and um, my mom would do these sorts of things on purpose she's always denied them but you know I'd go home and be like mom they, they didn't take the cheese wrapper off and she'd be like I don't know what you're talking about and um, it would happen multiple times so it seemed like and always after a fight so um, I think it was on purpose. And, um, or, you know, things like, um, you know, waking me up in high school just from a dead sleep, like, you don't love me anymore. <laughs> I'd be like, uh, I, do, I do love you, Mom, and just trying to... Or just, just the other day, uh, she had missed... Uh, she, she lives uh, down in Castle Rock, and she'd missed a couple of uh, lunches with me, and it's because she, she has trouble with calendars, and um, she has a new phone, an iPhone that she's been like, you know, she kind of holds it when she walks, like she's pretty proud of it. But she doesn't, she doesn't know how to use it. And I, I was like, well, I could help you, I could help you with the calendar. Like, there's a calendar function. It'll send you a reminder when you have lunch with your son, or you know, you you have to do something else. And her response to that offer was, "You're the most rigid person that I know. Why are you so unspontaneous?" So these are, this, is the, this is the main character of, of, my, of my life uh, and also of this story. Um, so when I was uh, around fourth grade, around the wrapper on the cheese um, period of my life, uh, we, we lived on, on a, in a big uh, wooden house on the top of a cul-de-sac. And um, uh, one, uh, I don't know what season it was, I don't think it was the fall, that uh, we, we had a woodpecker uh, problem. Uh, and um, I don't know if you've probably heard them around. They're, they're very loud when they sound on a metal object or wood. And so uh, 
this woodpecker happened to start to try to make a hole in the house above my parents' bedroom. And so uh, always very in the, early in the morning, you'd hear like, uh, you know, like a machine gun jackhammer situation. It was, it was incredibly loud. And so this started to bother my mom pretty, pretty badly. And understandably, like, you know, plasters falling down on their heads. And, you know, so uh, she decides that she's going to get rid of the, the woodpecker. Um, and so the, the, first, the first step, I don't think she did any research. I think she just, you know, you have an enemy and then you set out to destroy your enemy. <laughs> like, she's, like I said before, she's not, it's not like a big planner kind of situation. Um, so uh, I didn't realize she was trying to, like, dispose of this bird until a little bit later. But because, you know, she'd go out always in the morning and she'd be making breakfast and we'd hear the sound and then my mom would leave and... Uh, it, you know, she had started by, like, throwing rocks up at the house, and, you know, the bird, not, it was a tall uh, house, so the bird was always just kind of on the side of the house, like, <laughs> you know, which is, like, I'm sure very irritating when you're trying to, like, hit it with a rock. Um, so then uh, she did get some advice, you know, you, in the neighborhood, she asked around, and, you know, people were like, well, um, you, should, you should get a deterrent, you know, you should, uh, they're, they're natural predators. They're, they're scared of these things. And it was actually, it's funny that this is here tonight. An owl, just like this, um, is supposed to scare away the woodpeckers. And my, my dad and I, uh, you know, got a ladder and, and put it up next to the hole that was developing. And the next day, the woodpecker uh, landed on the owl and pecked its face off. <laughs> which was awesome. Like, that was the... <laughs> That was the, like, responsible act my mom tried to take to, like, do the right thing, and it just destroyed the owl's face. And I've never looked it up, but I was like, I wonder if that was even a predator. The woodpecker was not at all afraid of the owl. Um, And then we tried to, you know, we tried to cover up the hole, and that scared me because I thought maybe the woodpecker babies were in the house, and I was cutting them off. And these were just orders from my mom. I was helping her with this mission. Um, But, you know, I kind of reached my hand in. The hole being like Get woodpecker babies, but the, there there were none. It, it was a scary moment where you're like, nah. um, and uh, I wasn't I wasn't attacked by woodpecker babies, but we um, we um, we uh, you know patched up the hole and it, it it came the next day and it drilled right through that. It wanted to live there, um, and it's it's actually funny. I looked up tonight. Uh, about, you know, I was like, oh, I'll give some facts about birds, but then that seems stupid. But the, you know, I was like, it's the northern flicker here in Colorado. We call them woodpeckers. But um, the Colorado State um, University website, in, I was reading their kind of advice for deterring woodpeckers. And the first thing is like, don't build the house there. <laughs> Which is pretty rock and roll of them to be just like, you know what? If you build your stupid house there, where woodpeckers live, <laughs> and they can peck on it, they're going to fucking peck on it. Which is totally good advice. But the house was already built, and we were living in it. So, uh, so, we, so I mentioned the owl thing. We tried to, and so then uh, we started moving through some of my, my toys that are you know, boys' toys slash weapons. Um, the first one of those was uh, after rock throwing, you move to a slingshot. I had one that was um, uh, too powerful for me. It was given to me by like an older kid neighbor. It was the kind that was like it had like a armband here, and it's like a rubber cord. I mean, you can really—it's like a weapon. I never used it because I it was like, oh, that's too strong. My mom tried to use that. That was really dangerous. 
It's like hitting the house. That didn't work. So then we get my BB gun, and I had the old Daisy one pump. But when you uh, and it fired pretty well, like you know, from here to the wall, and it did a pretty good job. But when you tilt it up to fire, the BB just kind of like, mm. like it doesn't. It had been used too often, so that that didn't work. So she's like losing her mind. It keeps it keeps pecking on the house, and so she goes up the street to the retired uh, naval captain Worthing, uh, um, and. Uh, unbeknownst to the family. I don't really know where my dad in this story, he didn't do much to help. I don't think he was as bothered by the, he was always at work by the time it was really pecking on the house. Um, and so she goes to Captain Worthing and uh, <laughs> retrieves a .22. Uh, <laughs> a, he gave her a gun with birdshot. And, and um, I don't know that I have to say much about Captain Worthing. Other, I mean, you know he gave this woman a gun. And she has no gun training or anything like that. Um, uh, and they were kind of just like uh, Navy uh, retired swinger kind of house pajama uh, doers folks. You know, do, like good people. I like them. But, you know, if someone comes over and they like, got a woodpecker problem, he's like, well, here's a shotgun. Good luck. <laughs> so she brings the gun back to the house. Um, and it appears. And we, we were in a family that had guns. So it was like we were... I think everyone was like, wow, wow. Um, I don't know what my parents' discussion was about whether or not it should happen. But the gun was in the kitchen, uh, <laughs> you know, like next to the breakfast table, like, you know, like that, like ready to go. And uh, my mom was cooking breakfast. And then you'd hear the like, and she would like grab the gun and like walk outside. And like you'd hear, like you'd hear a shot. And she'd come back in, and she'd like, you know, set the gun down and keep cooking breakfast. And then you, and then you'd hear, and you're like, oh, well, she missed. So, but you know, you hear the shot. It's a, like a, a neighborhood, a residential neighborhood. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure, uh, according to the Colorado State website, you need a permit to fire a gun at at this animal, just in case you get any ideas from the story. And you probably. <laughs> You probably can't just shoot a gun anywhere you want. I'm, I don't. It, it was happening then, though. So this this went on for um, for uh, you know. Um, time makes these things seem more epic than they probably are, but in my memory, it was uh, quite a while that she was shooting at the the woodpecker and missing to the point that um, it just got habitual. You know, like it, we were all used to it. She would cook. She would, there was like a little deck that was in the front of the house and you could, you could walk to the side of the deck and then the house you know, ended here and you'd lean around with the gun and that's where the woodpecker was. <laughs> and you know, I, you know, I looked at him a couple times and he always did the same, like he sees you and then he goes back to like... <laughs> so she, she, got pretty, she got pretty casual where she'd just you know, stop the cooking... I think it got to the point where she, she didn't even really look anymore. She'd just be like, you know, and put the gun down. Well, one morning, and this is where it ties into the, to the story where um, she's in a robe cooking. The, the bird starts pecking. We hear the shot, and then mom doesn't come back in. And um, I go out to the side of the deck, and um, she, had, she had hit the bird, and all this time that she'd been shooting at it, I think she she never imagined that the result would be that she um, killed it. So um, my mom's and I. This image is pretty sealed in my head. My mom's on the ground in her robe in the side yard. 
the bird, um, which is, they're pretty birds, it has like red markings, is sort of like cartoon dead, you know, like with its feet. <laughs> it's got little X's on its eyes. Um, but, but, actually, but actually dead, and my, my poor mom is uh, on the ground next to it, just weeping and crying, and the woodpecker's mate, um, or friend, I'm not sure what their relationship was. <laughs> I don't know how woodpeckers roll. They might have been dating, they might not have been dating, but the friend or lover woodpecker was in the tree. My mom's crying, and that bird is like, Wah! like they're both crying, and the woodpecker's dead. And so that's, that's my story of the, the fall of the bird and my, my, mother's, my mother's fall as well. Um, oh God, that's a really good question. I think we did bury it, but there was a long period of time where we just, my, my mom just, I think my mom dealt with it, actually. We went to school, but I just remember her uh, horror, and I've never talked to her about it. I should ask her if she remembers killing it and what it all meant to her, but uh, the moral of the story is if you, uh, it seems like people were wanting, you know, endings. I guess if you borrow a twenty-two and shoot at a bird long enough... <laughs> You might kill it. That was Brian Colonna. Your next storyteller, he's done the show uh, once before, and he was, he was awesome. We're glad to have him back. He wanted to be introduced as Time Magazine's person of the year 2006, which I'm pretty sure isn't true, but I don't remember 2006 that well. Uh, please welcome Greg Salveson. It turns out it is true. Uh, everybody was 2006 Time Magazine Person of the Year. That was the year they copped out and just put a mirror on the cover. Um, so uh, my story tonight is uh, sort of about the fall, the season. Um, and something I always think of uh, is you know, Thanksgiving. And growing up, every year, uh, we would go to my grandparents' house in Connecticut for Thanksgiving. Now, I... I at the time, had sort of my mom's grand, my mom's parents, uh, who were who called Grammy and Dudu, which is a separate story. Uh, and then my my dad's father, and we called him Pop. All the other call, cousins called him Papa for some reason, but we called him Pop. And we would always drive up uh, the three-hour drive from Massachusetts to Connecticut to see Pop, and we we do the same thing every, every single year. We spend about an hour there, and then we would head over to uh, Grammy and Doodoo's for, you know, real Thanksgiving. Um, and this was just sort of something we, we did every single year, and it's a, something like a three-hour drive, but we'd always do it the day of Thanksgiving, and we'd most of the time do the whole trip in one day. So we'd drive three hours there, but it winds up being five hours because of all the traffic, and, you know, it's like three hours back the same day. So it's just a, a day crammed with visits. Um, and, and like I said, every visit went the same way. We show up, uh, pull into my grandfather's, pull into Pop's driveway. We walk in. Uh, we just go in because he's sort of fairly immobile and spends all his time in the kitchen just sitting in a chair and smoking his cigarettes. Uh, our dog, Fishsticks, runs in and pees on the shag carpet. It's happening every time. And we'd all just sit on the couch um, and kind of... Talk about 
really boring stuff. It felt very forced. We wouldn't really have much to say. You know, it's sort of, my dad would always sit on the ground, too, which was sort of weird. We'd all be sitting on couches. My dad would sit on the ground. And me and my two brothers would just be kind of sitting there playing Game Boy or something like this and often be just really bored. Um, so anyways, um, at some point, I'm, we're just, I'm just sort of bored out of my mind. And I say something to my grandfather like, hey, Pop, you know, I, I, I'd like to go upstairs and just see what my dad's room was like where he grew up. And, you know, Pop says, like, yeah, sure, go ahead. You know, I wasn't contributing to the conversation. And, and just so you get my grandfather's sense of humor, like right when I left, he'd say something like, um, oh, now we can talk about him or something, you know, so I could hear him. And, and he had just a weird sense of humor. He made these he, really awful jokes that he liked, like, I mean, what was one? one he, he would say something like, what do they do about parking at the Special Olympics? And that's the joke. <laughs> and it's really awful, right? But he liked these kind of jokes. Uh, anyway, so I, I went upstairs to, to see my dad's room from when he grew up. But I, I had, that's not really why I went up there. That's what I told you know, people uh, as an excuse, excuse to go upstairs. So now flashback to that summer in New Hampshire. We have a summer house where my dad's grandmother used to live uh, in New Hampshire, right on the lake. And me and my cousins would always go there. We had really fun summers together. And um, one summer, my, my cousin Nicole, who was around my age, was telling me uh, the story of how when she was last at Pop's house, she and her sister were forced to kind of clean up his whole house uh, with my aunt, just because he's you know a dirty old man, lives in filth, and can't really take care of himself at this point. Um, and she tells me about his secret vault of porn that was just strewn about his room in various places. So I'm on a mission. <laughs> I'm upstairs. My whole family's downstairs with my grandfather, and I'm just checking out my dad's old room. But no, I'm really, you know, frantically searching around in my grandfather's room. I'm looking in places where I would hide porn, you know, under the bed <laughs> or, or like you know, under the mattress or tucked away in the corner of the closet. But this is a grown man, you know, grown man's room. He doesn't have a mom to hide things from. So I'm looking in all the wrong places. But it's getting to be this, this time where I've been up there for a while, and I'm a little bit frantic. But I, I open up the drawer in the nightstand, and there's just a stack of, like, really old porn magazines, you know? Like, I don't know. He, he hasn't been out in a while. Um, <laughs> But there's just a stack of these. And I think, oh, jackpot, OK. But now I've got a bit of a dilemma. And that dilemma is not, should I take my grandfather's porn? I've made up my mind on that. The dilemma is, how do I bring these downstairs? You know, I don't have anything with me. And my whole family's downstairs. And I'm, what, like in seventh, sixth or seventh grade or something like this. And I get this brilliant idea to just uh, sort of shove it in my pants leg and tuck it into my socks. And I do that, and I just hope, okay, hopefully this will not just slide out on the floor as I descend the stairs, and it winds up being fine. Um, and we go downstairs and sit on the couch, be bored for a while, and then we leave, shake my grandfather's hand. He says something like, who are you? You know, he, like, he, he thought he was a funny guy like this. <laughs> uh, and then we left, right? And it was fine. And I just sort of like hit it in my backpack in the car or something. We went and did regular Thanksgiving. 
uh, and then went home that same night. So now, and, and we uh, visit my, my grandparents at least twice every year, one, once during Thanksgiving and then once during Christmas. And so Christmas rolled around a month later or so. Um, and sa- same deal, right? We have to drive all the way there, although there's one little caveat now, which is <sighs> my family played this terrible game growing up on the drive to Connecticut uh, over Christmas where we'd have this sing-along competition. And the game was you divide up into twos or threes and you just change, you just, one, one team says a Christmas song and you sing it and the other says a Christmas song and you sing it. And this goes on for five hours and it sucks. <laughs> but we do it because we love our mom and it would make her cry if we didn't. <laughs> And, and it, it degenerates to the point, like, when you're almost there, you know, you're singing Christmas classics like Dreidel, 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 and, and like, the Simpsons version of Joy to the World. If you know how that, it's, Joy to the World, my teacher's dead. We barbecued her head. What happened to her body? We flushed it down the potty, and round and round it goes. So we're at this stage, and we finally get to my grandfather's house, and, and we... Uh, you know, pull into the driveway, walk into the door, fish sticks, peas on the shag carpet. My dad gets popped from, from, uh, from the kitchen where he's sitting smoking. And we're all sitting on the couch again before we go off to my, grand, my other grandparents, Grammy and Dudu, for a real Christmas, right? And this, this is just boring, boring, boring. And, and, but of course, I'm going to go back and score again on, on this, my grandfather's stash. You know, I, I know about it. I know where to look. And I came prepared. I've got, like, you know, baseball socks on that you wear up to <laughs> the top of your calves. And, and I, I think, well, you know, I've got a tight belt, too. I can just slip them in. And, and, and I, you know, I, I don't even, I must have used the same excuse, you know, because uh, every visit was, was really similar, you know. And, and he, you know, so I probably go to my grandfather and say, hey, can I see my dad's old room? Do you mind if I just go upstairs? And he probably says, yeah, 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 that's fine. Now we can talk about him. Um, and I go up, and you know, I go directly for the drawer. I open the drawer, and as usual, there's this stack of these old magazines just right there. But on top of the stack is a little post-it note. And it says, Greg. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> this is not a library. <laughs> so he totally busted me. <laughs> And it wasn't like a mystery. He, you know, it had my name. <laughs> this wasn't like a Foreman family where we're all named Greg, you know, George, George Foreman family or something. And and I, you know, I can't take the magazine. I, I'm I'm terrified, right? What is this man? What what's next? And I just go downstairs. I totally avoid eye contact with my grandfather, and we go into a regular Christmas with my other grandparents. And he never, ever brought it up a single time. Um, and I, I hate to end the story without saying that I actually had a really nice relationship with my grandfather after this. I, I told this story, and I feel like I've made him out to be kind of a grumpy old man, which he was a little bit. But uh, as I got older, I sort of had uh, a, a really nice relationship with him before he died a few years ago. Um, and there are many stories I could tell you, but there's just sort of not time tonight. But thank you. That's Greg Salveson. 
The Narrators Podcast is recorded and produced by the Denver Diatribe. Check out their weekly show at denverdiatribe.com. The Narrators Podcast is brought to you by these amazing sponsors. The great guys at Illegal Pete's and Greater Than Records, who in addition to providing rad burritos all over town, provide great local music and comedy. Check out the appropriately named Sexy Pizza at either of their locations in Capitol Hill or Old South Pearl, or on their website, sexypizzaonline.com. And finally, by the internet superheroes at Commerce Kitchen, who provide internet marketing solutions and search engine optimization for all your e-commerce needs. Check them out at commercekitchen.com. For more information about the narrators and to listen to past episodes, go to the narratorspodcast.com. Thanks for listening.